We're going straight into <laughs> L.A. Law. For those of you uh, old enough to remember, this show actually started L.A. Law uh, while I was a first year in law school. It was so appropriately at times. And uh, another landmark in time for me is that uh, when I started the practice of law, which was three years later, four years later, uh, actually sworn in as an attorney, uh, that's when The Simpsons began, <laughs> which is, and that show is still lasting. You know, it still goes on. And probably has a greater influence on. Oh, yeah. I, I live by all. aspect of your life. <laughs> that's right. I live by all of Homer's teachings. The wisdom of Homer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, um, it's funny. Uh, the other day, somebody, a client called up the other day, and as he was talking, I realized he's made certain assumptions. Um, and then, you know, you ever have that, you're talking to somebody or better yet, uh, you, you're, you're getting an email from somebody and it's a long, long email. And the first, in the third sentence or so, he's made a statement that is completely false. And the rest of the email kind of rides on that third sentence and it's all dependent on, and it's, a, you know, it's assuming that third sentence is true. Like and an Obama speech. That, that's exactly right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> as we all know. That's, as we all know. Yeah. That's right. So assumptions, 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 and people, and then you you want to yell at the email, but you can't. Uh, <laughs> well, you can. It's just not yeah. very effective. <laughs> right. So you can reply to the email and you say, um, "Look, you know, you, you made a big assumption there, but they've gone down this road, and now they're kind of stuck in this road." And in conversation, however, you can say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa." And the guy wants to say, well, let me finish talking. And, and you, that's the way you say, look, I don't like to interrupt normally speaking, but you've made a wrong assumption here, and I need to correct you on this because it may affect everything else that you say. So, you know, I wasn't there at the time. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, never mind then, right? Right. And then the ha- oh, whatever that. As that, we all know, the earth is flat. So right. if we so go, sailing, so let me stop gonna, you right there. No, no, <laughs> you have to hear my plans for how we're going to right. go. And we're going to go over the slip, and this <laughs> right. is what we're going to do at the end of the. Um, yeah, so assumptions. And I find that I deal a lot with uh, clients' assumptions, and it's fair. This is true in, in every profession, right? Um, a dentist will tell you about the assumptions that certain people make. Like, well, if I just brush my teeth really well, I won't have to, whatever. There's certain things that they think they can get, get, get by with. Same thing with doctors. Um, you know, they'll tell you the, the song, the song and dance they've heard all the time. And as lawyers, you know, I hear assumptions all the time. Um, for example, people think that uh, all lawyers handle everything on a contingency. Um, and I, I always, I'm curious, I, I ask people, what makes you think that? Let, let's, that show. Yeah, apparently the show. That show. Well, no, the show did, doesn't do everything on contingency. But, you know, let, let's say you have a $20,000 case and you want to give me 50% of that as a contingency. You're willing to give me 50%. Great. Okay. So I'm supposed to take this all the way to trial, right? And and what's my payday at the, the, the glorious moment when I win? $10,000. Before taxes. Before That's right. Before <laughs> taxes. And I'm going to get $10,000. And Good. it's only three and a half years of work. That's right. So what's the point? And then they start saying, oh, yeah, I guess so. And my time in that is very significant. I mean, if, if we actually go to trial, that's a, basically about $100,000 of my time, if you're lucky. If you're lucky, because trial is very expensive, folks, especially if it's a jury trial. So, um, and, and if I win, if I win, it's a huge if, right? Then Well, no, we're, we're talking about you. Oh, well, so, thank you. you're too kind. You know. You're too kind. 
but the reality, even the most simple promissory note, a, a real winner, so to speak, um, you, you, you're never sure. And so at best you can say 55, 60% chance. And so you're taking a big risk. And people just make these assumptions. They just don't think it through. Then uh, we, we talked before about taking the next step, right? Um, the, the, the other things that they make assumptions, and I hear it in people's voices like, you, well, you'll, you'll get paid, right? And they ask me, how do I get paid? As if somehow it's a big surprise. They think I, I'm working for the government. You know, like, uh, it's like, um, I don't know, somehow lawyers are out there and you just, you know, you pick one. And uh, I mean, look, very few people think like that. But there are some people, I would say about 20% of people think that somehow you're going to get paid in some other way. Not through their purse, you know, you know but somehow you're, you're going to get paid. Do you think paid. it's also a symptom of the business that you're in when you're dealing with people dealing with essentially a life-altering event? Right. And all the stresses that go into it can cloud thinking that based on all these things that are going on in their guess, lives that maybe they that, yeah. approach it with a slightly skewed perspective? That's a great question, and you would think so. But the, but the problem is, I mean, they, it's not as if they, they're unaware of what lawyers do, right? I mean, they must have some sort of impression. And then all of a sudden they need a lawyer, whether they're being sued or they need to sue or something, or you know, maybe a life estate or something like that. So they, they've come in with their assumptions. They don't just suddenly make a new assumption when they're 55 years old. They've, they've had these assumptions all their lives. That's my experience. Um, and, and people often say, even better yet, they'll say, they have this great idea to, to, with me. And they say, uh, well, I can't really afford it, but how about this? How about, how about I pay you when I get money from the, the defendant? Like, isn't that great? Like, well, that's even worse than a full contingency. Because, you know, in a full contingency, at least I get 50% of what you get. But you're just offering to pay me what you owe me uh, from whatever I might, I might get from the judgment. And, I've, and even if I win the judgment, I have to go collect, right? It's a different issue altogether. So it's a, it can be a nightmare. Um, but these are the assumptions. And, you know, like anything else in life, every professional knows what I'm talking about. Sometimes you have to say, you find yourself saying the same thing over and over again to people over and over again. And I'm not, I'm not upset with that. I'm just simply saying that's a reality. Um, and uh, it's okay. It happens. And every professional in one way or the other finds themselves saying the same thing over and over again. You, you want to you somehow broadcast, hey, everyone, here is a... Yeah, frequently asked questions, frequently asked answer questions. sheet or something. Yeah. And yeah. you can do that. Uh, and, and maybe we should do that. But people don't read those things anyway. Does this get into an interesting question about tone where you have to draw upon all your uh, self-control and, um, uh, shall we say, uh, uh, patience resources in, yeah, you have in to explaining be these things over and over again, like doing the same scene from a movie to different people right. with the same level of patience and, you know. Right, right. In, 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 many ways, in many ways, that's a great question. In many ways, it's like that movie Groundhog Day, right? Yeah. Uh, the, the Bill Murray character. He's reliving it. He has a memory of this happening over and over again. And yet, of course, the people that he's dealing with are, you know, to them, it's new. It's the first time they're experiencing it. Uh, and so he has, it feels like, why, why does he have to go through these machinations, deal with the same thing? Yes, how are you? I know how you're going to answer. He, he knows exactly what's going to happen. And so I find myself, in order to make sure that I'm patient, or at least I sound patient, is that I say something like, uh, look, you know, I understand this is probably your first time, um, and it's totally understandable, that question that you have. Uh, but let me explain to you why 
contingency does not work, and then I press play on that. And I can almost press a tape recorder. It's really an amazing thing. Again, anyway, the reason why I bring it up is not to talk necessarily about the law. Um, I talk about the assumptions that people build in. Um, they feel, uh, and there are assumptions uh, of some clients that think that, that once they hire you, that, that you're going to take care of all their legal issues. Wh whatever may come up, they just call you and, you, and they can just start talking. And you, you handle now their divorce. You handle now their labor law dispute. Um, you handle their trademark issue. Uh, you're suddenly a jack of all trades, and they expect you to handle everything. Kind of like you're a tape of music that they've paused from the last time they've interacted with you. And when they start the, the next conversation, they can just pick it up right from where it left off, and you'll have all the facts right in your Oh, that's another, that's, that's another issue. That's true, that, that, you, that you suddenly remember every email that they ever sent you. Uh, or every email that was sent to them that they in turn forwarded to you. Yeah. And you know that that's the email that Bob sent me. You know. You know the you know the the one that he sent the other day. Yeah. What what email are you talking about? And, and, I mean, aside from all the emails that I get personally, all the emails that I get from an administrative point of view here in the office, and all the emails that you get uh, from the junk mail and such that you kind of want to respond to one way or the other. Uh, and then the other clients, and, and then. Uh, you know, which must be hundreds a day, and you're eyeballing this every single one of them. One way or the other, you have to make a decision. And then you also have to make a decision, okay, I don't need to review this particular email now. I'll review it later because it's not urgent right now. And there are some things that, that are more time-factored than others. But they think that you've read everything, that you've absorbed everything, and now you're ready and that to... you're ready to go. Ready to, and, ready to play. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's just very hard to do. And I cannot remember every email. And literally, I was with the client for dinner, uh, and we had a, we were having a nice time, and we were talking about things. And then, out of the blue, he says, "You know, and uh, did you read the email such and such?" And I say, "What what email are you talking about?" And he looked at the sky like he was frustrated, like, "What? You don't know this this this, this email?" And and I say, "Which one are you talking?" I will call him Bob. Which one are you talking about, Bob? You know, I, there's so many emails I get, and he, and then. He asked, well, what about this one? And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. And he, but he expects me to have, and many clients expect you to have this kind of instant recall of every email and not only that, but every sentence that was said in the email. Because for them, they've been living this email. They've been living this, these email communications. And they expect you to know it as though you were them. And it's just not possible. It's like asking my accountant to, to um, know exactly what, Every check that came in. Um, Do you remember that receipt for gas from two thousand nine, yeah, exactly. where gas was really low price at this station? Huh? Yeah, so, something. But I might remember a certain visit to a gas station two years ago, where somebody tripped on something and he hit his head on against the nozzle. Let's say, just to use your gas station example. Yeah. And um, and and that, you know, I remember telling. And and then to expect somebody to know that about me, like or about my my time, it, it's silly. What's What's memorable to me is not necessarily memorable to somebody else, yeah. right? That's another assumption that people make. So this plays out quite a bit, and um, I call it busting through the assumptions. And it's sometimes helpful for all of us to ask, what assumptions are we making? I mean, when, when, you take an, when you do an expert witness, a deposition, by the way, one of the best questions an, an opposing attorney can ask of that expert during the deposition, tell me about your assumptions. And then all sorts of things come out. Like, well, I'm assuming that uh, they had a growth uh, spurt that constantly is at least 15% every year. 
Like, do you think that's a reasonable assumption? Well, that's the assumption I was told to make. Oh, okay. Well, if the assumption is different, like they had a normal business, would that change your analysis? Yes, of course it would. Okay. And have you seen any business that routinely has 15% a year regardless of circumstances? No. Okay, so you see how you're busting those assumptions. And we need to bust our own assumptions so many times. Um, I, I, I find uh, a very cute assumption that I made, and it's a cute story I want to I share with you. Um, my, um, this woman that I met a long time ago, it was a blind date. But before we met, we talked on the phone. And I was told, I've got to meet this girl, got to meet this girl. Really pretty, really nice, really great personality. All those things, right, that you hear. And I've been told that song and dance before, and then you go to the blind date, and you know, it just doesn't work out. There's no chemistry there. And worse yet, this woman, when I spoke to her on the phone before the date, she had this most bizarre voice I'd heard in years. You know, just an unusual voice. She's, she's definitely not going to be an opera singer. Let's put it that way. And I just got an image in my head about everything about her, you know, her how tall she is, how frumpy she is, or you know, how inelegant she is, and how pretty she is or is not. And, um, and we, we scheduled the time because it was mutual friends, and I said I'd, I'd meet with her. And so, I, I, you know, getting ready for that date, it was, I almost forgot about the date, but I, I got there. I was a little bit late, like five minutes late. I didn't even bother putting on a decent suit. I was kind of wrinkled and everything else about it. And my tie was loose and just, I wasn't that presentable. I didn't really care. And I, I sit down and I see this woman and I realize that's my date. And she is stunning. Just a knockout, beautiful girl that took your breath away. And I said, hi, are you, I will call her uh, Jane. Are you Jane? And she said, yes. And that with that, very recognizable voice that she had. And she was uh, so pretty. It was so hard to look at. That's how pretty she was. And she was elegant. She was tall, the whole nine yards, very well-dressed. And she had an interesting story. And I, after a very short while, I totally forgot about her voice. And she was fascinating to me. And I was hoping, hoping, hoping that she might be interested in me. That didn't work out for other reasons. Uh, she, you could kind of tell she had a boyfriend in the background. And her parents were trying to get her to connect with a Jewish guy, and the guy that she was with was not Jewish. Whatever. The point is that I learned something there. And I was making an assumption, right? So many years later, fast forward, um, I, I get set up on another blind date with a different woman. And she, I talked to her on the, the voice, you know, exactly the same scenario. And she's got an unusual voice. Also, and I think to myself, I ain't making that mistake again. <laughs> and I got myself nice and ready. I, I, I made sure that I was dressed to the T and I was formal and that I looked sharp because who knew? And sure enough, I go into our coffee shop and walks this beautiful lady. And she's tall. She's very pretty. And we had a, a delightful conversation. And then 10 months later, we got married. And that's my wife. And she, uh, and I'm so glad I made that mistake with the previous woman who, you know, maybe it would have turned out, but it probably wouldn't have turned out regardless of how well I primped myself.
But those assumptions, we just got to ask ourselves, what assumptions are we making, right? Um, and it's, it's both from a micro level to a macro level. Now, would you say that there's an inherent problem with assumptions, or is it the methodology of making them, or that we cling to them? Because I would make the observation that all we can do in this moment and all others is make the best guess as to what the next moment will be based on our past experiences. Thus, the need to impute an observation on things, to essentially read a book by, or to, to uh, make assumptions about a book by its cover, is a necessary thing to do in life. Yes. Um, uh, so so it's yeah. not entirely unfair to hold it against clients for making an assumption before they meet with you and go through the experience of dealing with you. Correct. Um, the, but of it, course, you make a great point that we need to yeah. question what those assumptions are. We, we can question them. I and mean, there, there are some assumptions that are valid assumptions, and, and they could still be wrong. Um, you could assume that the, uh, that the driver ahead of you is a peaceful, loving citizen because he's driving the speed limit, and he seems to be driving a nice car, and he's obeying all the traffic rules. But he might be a killer. Uh, there are a lot of assumptions that we make. Uh, some will affect our lives, and some will not. So, look, that, that assumption that I made about the, the woman with the voice uh, really affected my life. I mean, had it, had it, it was a stupid decision on my part. It was a reasonable outcome because she wasn't interested anyway. Um, maybe she just didn't like my look or anything else, but, but you could kind of tell there was something else going no, on. No, 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 no. Everyone likes you. <laughs> you were too, too nice. <laughs> too nice. It's but, like a Jerry Seinfeld's mother. No, no, it's it's them, not it's you. Them, not you, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but but yeah, yeah. Here, here is that the fact is that there there are assumptions we make that are actually hurting us. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, for example, if you let, let's let's do an obvious example. If you are assuming wrongly that all uh, minorities are uh, not capable, right? You're cutting yourself out of a really interesting part of life because so many people, uh, minor, minorities, are not. Or not, uh, have great talents. Uh, I mean, you, all those Jewish NBA players. That's right. Uh, but you're making it. But but seriously, if it, let's yeah. let's say you you were engaged in a racist thought, which is an assumption, right? Right. You're assuming that if somebody's black, uh, if you're racist, you're assuming that somebody's black that he's not worthy, or he's not as talented, or he's not as bright, he's not as creative, whatever. You might very well be passing on somebody who is fantastic. Oh, because, you, I guarantee you are. Yeah. You know, whether it's a client for, for a business, a tenant for a house, uh, right. a candidate to work for you, all those right. kind of things. So, so putting aside the fact that it's just morally wrong, you're hurting yourself. You, and Voltaire, you know, said very, very few correct things. But one of the correct things he did say is that prejudice uh, was just stupid, economically stupid and uh, um, uh, personally stupid. You're cutting yourself out of a lot of very interesting people. Uh, who may have different backgrounds for that matter. So it's it's it's, it's good to test your assumptions. Yeah. Of and, what uh, and to be fair, that is a, a rather extreme uh, example of this because, you know, we don't, thank God, we don't see that much of that kind of racism, mm. at least that Not anymore, stark yeah. racism anymore, and that's a very good thing. But back to your profession with the assumptions that clients make about you. One, one uh, uh, sort of counter-argument I see or I'm hearing from you in your description that may explain why people have those kind of assumptions about you, i.e. expecting a contingency kind of service or that uh, you'll have their emails or communications in the forefront of your mind oh, the second they call, even yeah. if it's a midnight Instant while you're recall. asleep, right? Yeah. Is 
because of it's a high-end product or service that you're offering people, and it's obviously not the most inexpensive thing in the world, there's a a likely and reasonable assumption that people will expect a level of concierge kind of service from you that that will they get that kind of service when they stay at the Peninsula Hotel. So why shouldn't, if this is an expensive service, can people reasonably expect that kind of recall and such? Yes. That what they don't understand is lawyering and concierge service to get you a driver or tickets to the theater is slightly right. different. Well, and, and they do get concierge service, except for the fact that if they don't pay me, or, <laughs> right. then, then it, just like and I guarantee you the peninsula, as nice as, as it is, and, and for those not in Los Angeles, the Peninsula Hotel in Beverly Hills is really one of the most beautiful hotels you could stay at. But if you if you didn't pay the peninsula, I guarantee you the peninsula will kick you out. Yeah. Um, so the assumption is not necessarily the concierge service. They they do expect that, and I do provide them, and I constantly remind myself. Yeah, but the equivalent of legal concierge right. service is not. Yeah, they're they're paying concierge me, desk yeah. service. Right, they're paying yeah. me X amount, and I expect you know they, it's reasonable for them to expect it. But it's 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 the other assumption that I'm talking about. The assumption that uh, the money doesn't matter to me or uh, or any law firm uh, that somehow they're rolling in dough or that they don't know that they're behind the eight ball as if somehow, you know, that, that's, that's the amazing thing. And, and I, I, I'm now, I'm much more, um, uh, sensitive to, uh, you know, the plight of doctors and the plight of anybody else having my own business. Now I know that when they send me an invoice, uh, for $500, six, whatever it might be, that they, they, this is not some sort of uh, faceless entity. This is a real business with real people. They're counting on, on me paying their money uh, so that they, in turn, can, can meet their obligations and, and have a little bit left over to, to send their kids to a private school. Yeah, and you, you also understand uh, companies of larger scale, American Express, Visa, Wells yeah. Fargo Bank. When they send you a credit card bill, they need the money. You they know, need the money. That's it, right. It's not – their size does not uh, – um, you know, uh, absolve them of yeah. not needing income. Oh, pe- people think that uh, uh, law firms and, and many other big companies, t- well, I mean, we're not a big company, we're four attorneys, but they think that that uh, big companies and law firms, generally speaking, uh, have so much money that they're, they're, they, they, they don't miss it. It's not a big deal. You don't have to pay your bills. They don't care. Yeah, It's, it's really a, a bizarre thing. And the reality is that the margin of profit is very small, uh, and I'm not talking about my firm right now, but I'm, I'll, I'll talk about another firm I know. They they have five million in revenues, and of that amount, what what the particular partner takes home, five hundred thousand. Okay, so five hundred thousand is a lot of money. Don't get me wrong, but that's a lot. That's a very a lot of it is for infrastructure and for salaries and everything else, uh, and you want to be able to recover that. Yeah. Oh, and we forgot one area: taxes. And of course, taxes. It's a yeah. Huge. Yeah, blood and that, that's the, before taxes. Yeah. So um, the, the 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 profit margin is very very low, uh, and that's actually considered high, you know, for for most industries. Most industries, the profit margin is between two and six percent. Yeah. Uh, and in gas stations, where we think of gas stations as really rich, such that it's razor thin profit, yeah. razor thin. And, uh, and the reason for that is they have to compete, 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 and competition often means lowering your price, depending on the, on the service or the good that you're dealing with. 
So when somebody sends you a bill for $500 for that doctor, pay the bill and pay reasonably timely. Don't wait and expect, you know, ask them to, to ask you to keep on paying it. Yeah, good things don't happen letting bills age like fine wine. Yeah, it, it doesn't you know, happen. That doesn't yeah. doesn't help anyone, right? Um, and and it's it's uh, people resent it. It reminds me of the Simpson episode where where Homer was trying to get everyone to help out on on a certain project, and you see him calling many different people. And one of the people he's on the phone with, he says the following: He says, "Roy, um, you know that time that I I paid you back the the ten thousand dollars that you lent me." Well, now it's time for you to do a favor for me. It's a bummer. So, as if he was doing right. It was just. It was so classic. Yeah, yeah the, right. The clarity. But but that's but that's the way that people think. It's like they finally pay you. Like okay, they've met. It doesn't matter when they pay you. Yeah. You know what? Don't be a schmuck. Don't don't make somebody pay. You know, uh, sorry, demand for payment over and over again and say, this is our third notice. This is our fourth notice. You know, behind that is a real person who really needs money. And and, and it shouldn't put them in a position to say, please, I need the money for my cash flow. Yeah. I've, I've had to do that a couple of times with some big account receivables for clients. And I've, I've said, found myself saying, look, Bob, it's not fair. We need it for our own cash flow. And we've devoted our, our entire couple, two months, you know, 90% of our work was for you. And now you're not paying us. We we need you need to take care of us. Yeah. And um, and they don't do it. It's kind of a, you know, it ain't cool. It just ain't cool. Um, so assumptions, assumptions, assumptions. Uh, and now on the macro level, uh, I think you know you were joking around about it, but it's a very good point. The assumptions that um, people make, uh, sorry, that, that the president makes, Obama makes, when it comes to uh, Obamacare, for example, uh, the big assumption is that somehow. I mean, the, the first wrong assumption is that, that people are not getting adequate, adequate access to health care. Right. The they first are. wrong assumption is that 30 million people who are going to drop dead of the common cold less an insurance company grant them the ability to go get right. some antibiotic. Right. That for a very low money will save their lives. Right. Uh, there are other big assumptions. And for this, we all have to take a haircut. Right, right. Yeah. That's right. Or, 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 but the assumption is that everything will be cheaper now. And, of course, that assumption turned out to be very wrong. But we all knew that anyway. There are other bigger, big assumptions on a less political level. Um, I, say, I, I say to people I'm vegetarian. I know right away they'll say, where do you get your protein? And that question itself assumes that you can only get your protein from meat or dairy. And, and it's like and talk about replaying a conversation, right? So I have to replay that conversation and say, no, you get protein from your vegetables, you get from your beans and everything else. And they all say, I don't know. I like, they're very skeptical. Never mind that I've been on, you know, alive for the past 18 years while I'm a vegetarian. You would think that if I had a protein deficiency, <laughs> it would show up at some point. It would have caught up to you once <laughs> in the last two decades. Yes. <laughs> like, it's, it's just, you know, the facts just are right there. Or the, the, the assumption is, that that I'm, I have to. They, they say the following, like I'm sure you know. So you have to make up and you know make the right. You know you have to take a certain number of vitamins and nutrients and stuff like that in order to make up. You know, as if somehow like I'm, I'm that I'm, abuse I'm, you're dealing out onto your body. That's right. I'm, I'm sacrificing my health for the sake of saving those poor animals, and 
and uh, and that their 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 diet is the complete diet. You understand, <laughs> and mine is a very incomplete diet, and I, which I have to supplement right. with vitamins and important nutrients that I otherwise would have gotten from the. Do meat you explain to them that you're just cutting out the middleman? You're just eating the grass the cow have eaten anyway. There you go. That's right. <laughs> right. Yeah. But their whole mindset is so funky. It's it's really and it's fun to question your assumptions. It, you, you, it may be that your assumptions are correct. It's it's fair to say. It's a, it's a fair assumption that if you go to a high crime area, it's a good assumption that, that you're more likely that your car will be carjacked, you're more likely to be burglarized. That's a reasonable assumption to make. And you're not going to hurt yourself by making that assumption. But there are many assumptions that we make and just say, why, 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 why should I, you know, what assumptions am I making? In the same way that that lawyer is asking, what assumptions am I making? To, are you making to the expert? Maybe we should ask that to ourselves. What assumptions am I making right now? You might find, for example, dear listener, that you're struggling in, in your life financially, right? You may be making only 30000 20000 a year. And that, in, at least in this town, Los Angeles, is going to be a real struggle. So, and, and you find you just can't seem to get past that. And so ask yourself, what am I doing what assumptions am I making that are preventing me from going beyond that? I'm not talking about, oh, I should get a degree or you know, anything else like You're that. You're talking about maybe sleeping 16 hours a day isn't the best, yeah. most productive, most profitable yeah. use of your time. That's right. And, and, yeah. and, and maybe if you're, if you're constantly tired, maybe ask yourself, why am I tired all the time? Is this normal? Yeah. And it probably is not normal. So it's, it, ask yourself, what am I doing wrong? Yeah, or why I have no money and I'm going to Starbucks every day, right. two or three times a day, yeah. dropping 15 bucks a day on coffee. Right. Mm, you know, that's yeah. going to add up. <laughs> right. uh, I know a lot of lawyers, for example, that, um, uh, and I'll tell you what I do, by the way, that is, uh, well, I'll tell you what I do. I saw my first year of my own practice. I saw, I was a solo attorney. And I saw a lot of other solo attorneys. You, you end up renting an office that is near other solo attorneys. You get to know them and all that stuff. And I, and I saw an attorney, more than my share, fair share of attorneys, who were older attorneys, let's say in their mid-50s, mid-60s, some in, even in their 70s. And they're still in their little hovel of an office. And you can tell that they've been there for years, decades. And I, I asked them point blank, don't you ever want to grow? Do you ever? I would love to grow, but I, I just, you know, I can't afford X, Y, or Z. And then I say to them, and I say to myself, I don't want to be like these people. Whatever they're doing, I want to do the opposite. So I want to hear what they have to say and then do the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> and the Costanza. Yeah, the, exactly. It was like a, be opposite George, right? Right. So, and that's what I was doing. And I, and I thought, okay, and it's easier actually to look at successful people. So I saw successful people, and I saw every successful person is doing one thing that's already different than the solo guy who's not doing it. And here it is. They're leveraging. Uh, a successful person leverages. What does that mean? It means that they, they hire other people. They expense money in order to make more money, right? So literally I asked uh, one of the solo attorneys, I said, why don't you hire a secretary? This is after I already hired a secretary and discovered that I actually was making a lot of money as a result of having a secretary. Why? Because she opened up my time. Right? Yeah. And she was able to do a lot of things that I was doing, licking envelope and such. No matter. The, the point is that 
I said, why don't you hire a secretary? And this guy, this attorney, who's he's now 75, he says, oh, with a grimace, I, can, I can't afford, six, that's like 60000 a year, 70000 a year. There's no way I can do that. And I, and I said, but first of all, you're not going to be paying up that money up front. So it's over a year. So let's, let's be real about it. Secondly, she's going to free you up. Oh, I, could, I, just, I just can't take that chance. And I said, there it is. There's the assumption, right? The assumption is that if you hire somebody like that, you, you won't make any money off it. It's just a luxury. A secretary is a luxury. That, in other words, to be a good lawyer, you just have to be really lucky. But there's no way you can do it. You, you, it's like a goldfish. Um, if you put a goldfish in a small, small bowl, guess what? Stay it won't small. Grow. Stay small. If you put him in a larger bowl, there's a good chance he'll grow. Oh, I was going to do the joke. You put him in a big bowl, he gets eaten by the big fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true too. But, no, but it's an interesting thing, that little joke, because that's their assumption yeah. that I'll get eaten, not that I'll grow into a big that's fish. That's right. They're terrified of doing that. And you just have to get out there. Yeah. And, and they're just horribly wrong because this is not a big risk either. That's the thing. It's, you know, it's, many people have secretaries. Well, what's funny is just the assumption, forget the, whether it's the secretary or it's growth of a business, it's anything. Mm -hmm. Life rewards the risk taker. It, it just does. does. Not jumping off a building without a parachute, not that right. not idiocy, right. but whether or not you take the risk to talk to that girl who will turn into your wife someday. Such a, such a good example. Uh, hiring the, uh, meaning someone you know would be a great partner in your company or secretary right. or whatever and teaming up and working with them. Call, making the call. You've talked before about making three phone calls a day that are difficult. Taking right. the risks that those calls make. That's right. You know, trying to get to, to collect from the client who hasn't paid. Uh, mm -hmm. If you don't call them, of course they're not going to pay. They might not even remember they owe you money. They think you're off the radar. Right. It's a, it's a really an amazing thing. Um, the, um, uh, you know, I told you, I, I, ever since I saw that that first year, I said, I never want to be like these guys. I, I like them. We're friends, but they'll never change. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, Right now, I'm almost 50. Uh, at the time that I started this, I was 40. And a lot of people, you know, basically people don't change. They just don't. Even in their 20s, they don't change your, your character. And I said, I don't, I don't want to be like this guy. And because I already know the answers. I get an secretary and such. And here's what I did. I said, every year, I want to make a big change. I will force myself to make a big change uh, in business and also personally. Every friggin' year, I make a big change. And the beauty of it, Ari, is that it forces you to ask yourself, what must I change? If you, because you can always change something. You can always change something. But make it a big change. And you'll discover that there is something that you can do. Yeah. So one year was hiring a secretary. The next year was hiring a paralegal. The next year was hiring yet another attorney. Another year was you know, realizing that I needed to expand, even though I, I office space, even though I didn't have the need for it right away, I'm just going to do it. And sure enough, business came as a result of it. In other words, if you build it, they, it will come. Um, and, uh, and then a different approach to, to marketing. That's when I started advertising on radio all of a sudden. That was a huge leap for me. That was a huge risk. I mean, I think about it. And, and just change after change after change. And... I got to tell you, it's been remarkable how yeah. that, that system is really changed. Now, not all things worked out at the end. One of them was that I wanted to have a partner. 
And uh, and I may eventually have a partner, but that partnership didn't work out as well as I would have liked to. Yeah. Well, I like him. We're, we're friends. Yeah. But obviously not every one of these is going to work out as planned. Yeah. Sometimes the plan failing is uh, works in a good way. Oh, like yeah. Something for else Yeah, happens. for example, I learned in the process that, uh, you know, when I if I have a partner again, um, it, it, it involves giving up a lot of control. And you, and, the, and you might, you know, it's, it's a very cute idea to have a partner, but you have to realize also that it means giving up control. I learned that. Um, and then I hired an administrator. Then... Then I moved yet again to a different location and was able to expand our operations. And we're now we're full four attorneys. We're very busy. We're very you know profitable, and our revenues show it. Every year we we increase by about fifteen percent. So about there was one year that we didn't, but otherwise we're we're pretty cool. Yeah, but we blame the year. That's right. Right. That's right. <laughs> uh, now and I extend it also to my personal life. I try to make some big change in my personal life. Um. You know, I, I wasn't happy with um, the state of my, my health at one point, and I decided that i just going to have to, you know, go to gym. And, and it wasn't a New Year's resolution, by the way. Don't get confused with that. It's something a little bit more deep than that. It's a change. That's a big difference. And, and so things really have helped. I mean, I, I would say that that is one of the biggest advances in my life, is to force myself to make a change because it forces you to question your assumptions. Yeah. Anyway, I, I love this topic and I can talk about it forever. Um, but assumptions, question them, turn them inside and out, ask yourself uh, if I do something differently, maybe great things can happen. This is Barack Lurie and this is the Lurie Law Podcast with our background from LA Law. What a great choice. And for licensing reasons, we're only using it once. <laughs> That's right. So Fair please, use, right? Please don't sue us, Mr. Bochco. <laughs> Maybe. All right. That was fun. I thought it wasn't too long.